Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Well, he's back from the Echo Factory because it seems like uh, when there's a sports theme, advertising uh, sort of follows suit. And I think my next guest, Mike Schaefer, would agree. Uh, Mike, we talked Super Bowl. Let's do a quick recap of that. Were the ads what they thought they would be for you? Or were you disappointed? Did you like them? I mean, what, what was the vibe for the ads uh, during the Super Bowl? Let's recap that first. Uh, I'd say they were okay. Uh, there was a couple memorable ads if the goal was to be memorable. Um, you know, I think the consensus winner in the ad industry is uh, uh, for Coinbase. I think it was Coinbase. hope it was Coinbase. Uh, <laughs> that, that's embarrassing if that's not it, but it was for the app for, uh, for blockchain technology. Well, let me ask you this, because you, you said not advertising on the Super Bowl might be a better idea, and did, did you find that that might be true? I mean, was it too much of a crowd of the same thing? Like, what were you, what were you seeing? What trend were you seeing? Uh, I mean, I definitely think the trend right now is for brands that can advertise on the Super Bowl, they should and were advertising. Um, and we saw some brands pull out uh, and not advertise. Uh, the brands are looking to make a big splash and get some press pickups and some, uh, you know, uh, get a spike in their awareness, uh, I think did a good job. Um, there's some some brands that have always advertised on the Super Bowl and, and they continued. Um, I think some of the newcomers uh, and sort of, the non um, the the brands that you wouldn't expect, I think, like the sales forces, you wouldn't you don't normally expect them to they show up every year, and you know, so that was interesting. Uh, but I think the the smaller niche brands that that run ads, you know, parallel to the the Super Bowl and before and after, I think they're probably seeing some success on their return on ad spend when you compare it. Well, that's interesting, but I want to switch to March Madness because I've got to be honest, there have been some funny advertisements during March Madness. Geico's once again nailing out of the park, and they're invoking even on the women's side. You've got them, uh, there's some of the WNBAers part of the ads as well, and I think my favorite one so far is Samuel Jackson, or mini mascot. I don't know if you've been watching the tournament, but I kind of have, and they have a commercial with him and a mini mascot, a mini Samuel Jackson. I mean, that's just great branding. But have you seen anything in the March Madness world that has been maddening as a sales guy, as as an advertising guy, I should say? You know, um, March Madness advertising, I don't pay as close of attention to, uh, but I think the content is is really strong. And it's it's a little bit more niche than what you might see for the Super Bowl, where brands are are trying to tie a little bit more closely to, you know, the athletes. And, you know, um, you mentioned with women's basketball, uh, I think that's pretty powerful. I think so. And and maybe we can go into for a minute the teams themselves. You know, these schools do pay a lot to be advertising during the game, I'm sure, that their, their school is in. Uh, but some of these ones, are kind of generic, and then you've got the standout ones. Have you seen any standout college college advertising that, you know, ties into athletics but shows the whole campus, uh, as a lot of these schools do? 
You know, uh, I tend to find, I think they do an okay job. There's nothing that really stands out, but I think as we look into the future, what we're going to see is, you know, with the rule changes and colleges fighting harder to get, you know, the top tier talent, uh, you're going to see more endorsements with uh, the athletes uh, because of the NBA's G League and college athletes, you know, having that as an option. Uh, to be paid and sort of the licensing agreements, I think you're going to see a lot more uh, sponsored student athletes uh, to promote the schools. And I hope, well, you I hope are, to continue that been, trend. You've been in advertising for many years now. Have you had any colleges say, hey, I wanna, we want to spruce up our brand. What can you do to help us? Yeah, so typically uh, we have worked on a few college campaigns. Typically they show the campus and they show the lifestyle on the campus. That's the traditional marketing advertising of a college. Sort of the next step up is getting a little bit more specific onto you know, the benefits of going to the school. And then the next level up is really pushing the creativity and that's where you get you know, some, some fun things with mascots and, and trying to have fun with it. Uh, I think of them as tiers. Uh, the, the ones that the tiers of advertising uh, are you know, sort of the very direct response. Here's our campus. This is the program you should enter. Uh, those are what we call, you know, in the digital space is last click. Um, sometimes, you know, you call it direct response. Uh, the ones that are getting a little bit more creative, but trying and trying to tell a story around a student life and, you know, something outside of the campus that's getting into something, you know, a little a little higher up the, the sales funnel, a little more, you know, getting the brand awareness out there of why it's a good school. And then the really creative ads typically are just trying to show the personality of the people that go there. It's, it's less about you're going to get a degree, you're going to, you know, make some great contacts, you're going to get a certificate. Uh, and so the camp, the colleges that we've worked with tend to fall in that middle category of we want to get results and we want to be direct response, but we also you know, so we don't really care to show the campus so heavily, uh, but it's it's still very practical and shows the the true benefits to the the students that would be applying. Well, let's talk about the smaller schools now because we've seen these these smaller schools make these runs, and now I believe St. Peter's can be a lot more marketable, having reached the Elite Elite Eight with their special run. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if, if you think of March Madness and the Elite Eight and, you know, just March Madness in general, some of the best promotions a school can have is making it there. And so the the schools that are going to be really successful are going to leverage that, you know, as as the year goes on leading into next year. And, and that's, that's an exciting piece of school promotion that I think um, maybe gets forgotten about by people outside of the advertising and marketing industry. Um, or even the sports, you know, and, you know, enrollment for, for colleges, people that are, you know, watching the games just because they enjoy the game of basketball or have a favorite team. I think sometimes, uh, and for good reason, um, it's not thought of as this is a great promotional opportunity. It's why people spend a lot of money on their, their sports program. Right. And, you know, St. Peter's only 3,000 uh, students, I should say, which is just a very small school. It's had quite a run. Um, but uh, let's talk about brand disasters. I mean, I don't know if you followed the Penn State scandal really deeply, but while we're in the college world, do you think they did a better job of 
rebrand their image after the whole Paterno disaster. I mean, were you following that and the way they were brain themselves or were you staying away from that? I, I mean, I followed it from an outside perspective. Um, and I think they've done a pretty decent job from separating themselves as much as they can. Um, you know, they spent a lot of time building up that connection and, uh, and I think as a, as best they could, they've separated themselves um, from it and, and are doing a decent job. I mean, I don't think it's ever going to go away and, you know, for good reason. Uh, but they're, the marketing and PR teams have done an excellent job of, of separating that. Now, I can't imagine a coach would go to an agency to recruit because obviously they just recruit based on basketball. But from our conversation just now, I get the feeling that you might believe that prospective students that want to play at a D1 school might look at how they're branding themselves beyond just being recruited and watching the actual sport, or is it all about recruiting when it comes to getting these kids in? Uh, it's all about recruiting to get the kids in. The kids and their agents uh, or prospective agents are going to be the ones looking to really build up the brand uh, and, and prove the value. Um, I think there's so much value to be gained, and, and the college world knows it for these athletes, and it's now being recognized, which is an amazing thing. And I, think I love with that, the, I, I agree with you there. I think that's the best thing they could do for them. Yeah, and I think you're going to start seeing more college athletes in advertising uh, because they just weren't allowed to before unless it was for the college. You know, they couldn't be paid. Uh, and so those changes, I think we're going to see a really big shift in, in what happens in the future. And I think beyond just the college rules, I think the NBA opening up the G League and making rule changes around how long students have to – play in college is going to is going to really have an effect as well on being able to leverage these athletes in advertising and marketing all right uh while we're in sports i have to ask you this um the masters is about a month away and while we're talking about the kids let's talk about the adults because adults make mistakes and that was phil mickelson he made this comment about saudi arabia that they wanted to play and then maybe even following like four or five sponsors dropped out and now he's not even in the masters. So he has to clean up his brand a little bit. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, can he, uh, yes, if he mm -hmm. wants to, uh, but you know, it's, it's going to be how badly he wants to, you know, shift the conversation to what the public is expecting. Um, you know, if, if he's wants sponsorships and wants that payday, you have to, you have to be able to, you know, present yourself in a way that the brands would like. It's part of the deal. I don't know if you're close to any of the advertisers that pull out of these controversial things, but maybe you can weigh in on how it becomes a chain reaction. I mean, one does it, and then three or four do it. How, do they team up? Do they all kind of agree to do it? Like, how does that work? Uh, the times that I've seen it and personally been involved in it, it's been sort of just a chain reaction of uh, somebody – senior, senior enough to make the call, just makes a decision. And that's that. There's not a lot of discussion. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, and it's really all tied to reputation management around the brand. Uh, and so it's not brands getting together and saying, what should we do? Uh, they don't actually care what the other brands are doing. They, they listen to it and they watch, but it's, if they think it's going to affect their sales, affect their um, persona to the public, they're going to pull out in an instant and there's not a lot of thought. They might stall out just to kind of hope to see what happens and not make any moves and not make any comments initially, but it's going to be a very quick decision. It's going to come from the top down 
maybe not the very top, but somebody senior is just going to say, all right, we're out, done, put this statement out. Um, and they work closely with, you know, the, the reputation, reputation management agencies, you know, and the publicists to, uh, to craft the message correctly. All right, I'm glad you mentioned publicists because that was something that was in the headlines last night at the Oscars. I We can shift from sports if you don't mind because I got you here now. I want to ask you, Sure. Uh, does Will Smith rebuild his brand from this or is he tarnished? Is he going to not be able to come back to the Oscars? Like, what are you, what are you seeing? I feel like uh, it's going to be a, a big fallout from this uh, brand-wise also. You know, I actually think the Oscars brand is going to be tarnished more than Will Smith's brand. I, Will Smith will figure this out. He's he's a master at this. Um, but the Oscars, on the other hand, have been – they've seen a downward trend, and this is not going to help them. The way they handled it has not been well-received by the public. Uh, and so we'll see. The thing that I find most interesting, I don't know if other people do, is I'm very interested to see who wins between Will Smith and uh, uh, Chris Rock. Um, who, who's going to take the biggest fallout from that? My guess is Chris Rock is going to take the bigger fallout, you know, in the end. Um, but we'll see. And But I think truly between the three, Chris Rock, Will Smith, and the Oscars, the Oscars are the big loser. Well, this is another disaster. I mean, three years ago they had the wrong naming. I mean, they've just – they've also sort of watered it down and and made it too diversity. Or I don't know. It just – it's become a little too – political right i mean that's that's been the big complaint the last few years overall yeah, and now this people have always i think people have always thought you know celebrity oscars the grammy you know it's all too political i think if, when i look at advertising uh in general advertising works really well for brands and products that are very good and what the oscars has proven as a television you know event is that it's not very successful. It's not good. People don't like it. They're not watching it. Um, not because they shouldn't watch it. I mean, we, you know, if you took a poll, I bet you eight out of 10 people did not watch the Oscars uh, because they find it boring. I, I need a little advice from you because I want to promote the heck out of CODA. I think that the shame of this is that a, a movie about the disabled community, the deaf community, and really disability community being a winner here has been overshadowed. So how does even a podcaster say, yeah, let's not focus on that, but there was a bigger story that was totally missed here. I mean, I think CODA is really the sad loser here because they didn't get the, the, the shine they deserve. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with you. And um, I think they didn't get the shine they deserve, but they got a lot more shine than they would have a few years ago and i think we should celebrate that so, you know with all the streaming services and the distribution that's around now uh and the way that you know the world has changed i think they've gotten a lot more shine than they would have and we should celebrate that and and it's easy to to feel you know you know anger or frustration over that spotlight taken away from them but i think a lot of people are still talking about it and as soon as you know the controversy with the Will Smith thing dies down a little bit. I think uh, Coda will continue to thrive because of it. And it's, it's an amazing thing. Have you ever worked with uh, advertisers that sort of want to help the disabled community or advertise to the disabled community? I didn't ask you that the first time. I'm just curious now. Yeah, actually specifically to the deaf and uh, hearing impaired community, 
uh, we worked with a battery manufacturer. So the interesting that I learned a few years ago working with this, uh, this company is people who wear hearing aids, which is more for hearing impaired, uh, but there's no, there was no rechargeable batteries. Your battery would just die in your hearing aid midday at any point. And if you didn't have a battery on you, you were, you were out of luck. And so we worked with a brand uh, that made a rechargeable hearing aid and a battery that would work in hearing aids that's rechargeable. It's the first on the market and it was pretty revolutionary. You know, this is only a few years ago and it was surprising that nothing like that existed. And so we market very heavily to audiologists and trying to get this in, in the hands of people that, you know, didn't want to carry a pocket full of batteries around. And, and so that was, that was a really fun campaign to work on. I feel like that's a pioneering kind of moment then, if that was not done before. It was. It, it was, and, it, and that's one of the things that was so exciting about it is, you know, their battery technology um, worked very, very, very well in this application that, that the the company figured out and found a market for. They 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 had the technology and found a place for it, and, and being able to promote that was, was pretty amazing. Okay, so... The last few minutes, I've gathered that maybe, just maybe, Mike Schaefer of Echo Factory says, "Do not advertise in the Oscars overall because of the downward <laughs> trend." Is that is that what you're saying here? Well, it depends. <laughs> uh, it, it depends, right? The, the answer is always it depends. Uh, I think you should look at who you're trying to target. I mean, if you're trying to target people that are very into movies, uh, that's a great place to advertise. If the price is right, it's a great place to advertise. I think if you think of it in terms of, you know, big event that you're going to hit a really wide audience, if you have to pick between March Madness and the Oscars, you know, I don't know sure. which one's which one's better. It depends on the brand, but but if you had to pick one, you should you should make that determination based on your audience and who you're targeting. Both are big events. You know, March Madness is probably stretched out a little bit longer, obviously, um, but it could be a great place to get in front of the right people. Um, people, there are, there still is a hardcore fan base for the Oscars and, you know, people still have Oscar parties and they still, you know, there's a very good reason to do it. It's, but it's not for every brand. Speaking of every brand, uh, one shocker last night, and maybe you can talk about this because I feel like the old gray lady has become a technological genius. They, they've, helped make a documentary that was award-winning and that's the first oscar for the times and they've been around since forever so does that shift the way even newspapers interact with uh you know the branding of their own selves getting involved with the movies now i mean this is this is a big deal sorry uh get catch me up on this i'm i'm not following so there was a basketball movie that the times actually helped create and they had won an Oscar for it being, I think oh. they produced it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So without knowing a lot about it, I would say the LA times is a content producing company, right? They do content production and if they're going to you know, save their business, the, the newspapers, newspapers are not doing amazingly uh, if you compare it to some other technology. So it's a, it seems like a good move. Does that, you know, move them away from journalism. I don't know. That's maybe for another discussion, but what a great opportunity for them to grow their brand. Well, I thought it was funny because there was a former president who used to say that the times was failing, yet their subscriptions continued to grow. 
actually during his presidency. So maybe this is just another arm to the old gray lady that, that they, they realized. Who knows? Possibly, possibly. I don't know. I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm in fan. I'm a fan of newspapers. I think, you know, there, there's a place for them. Uh, but I think similar for advertising, similar to the yellow pages, um, you know, technology is just moving so fast. It's, you know, it's, people are just changing the way they consume and find information. All right. One, one last topic, because it's on my mind, even, even though we're talking about it, and maybe you can debate me on this or, or disagree, but I feel like the corporations who are running away from the Russian citizens because the government is invading Ukraine, it, it's, my question is, do, will the corporations ever go back to Russia, even if Putin remains in power. I mean, are they going to be gone until he's he's out of there? Oh gosh, uh, you know, if I were if I were to look into a crystal ball, um, I'll probably be wrong. <laughs> if I were to make a guess, I'd probably be wrong. But I guess my opinion is, at some point, uh, business will be back in Russia. Um, people are going to go where the money is, and you know, and definitely, I don't think they're going to go back while this conflict in Ukraine is happening. Uh, for very good reason, but at some point in the future, uh, you know, you can look at, you know, I grew up in the 80s, and it was, you know, it was not cool to, you know, promote Russia. Deal with Russia. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, you can look at it's it time time heals a lot of wounds, and so I think at some point, yes, but not in the near future, and and definitely not while Ukraine conflict is going on. And I think you know you're seeing these brands support. Ukraine and, and, you know, do a lot of yellow mm-hmm. and blue promotions and, and it's good to get the awareness out and to show the support you know, they're, they're following what people want, you know, the brands are following people's wallets and people's wallets are saying, mm-hmm. we want to support Ukraine. You know, and it's kind of surprising because PayPal, I just realized by being on the app that they were doing campaigns, they didn't really advertise that they were doing their own campaigns, but it's raised a lot of money. Yeah, isn't that really cool? The the way you know PayPal's doing it. You've seen uh, uh, there's a few. Um, I think GoFundMe has done something, and I think also uh, I'm blanking on the name of it, but um, the, probably Venmo. All of them. They're all just kind of being part of this whole thing. It's very interesting to see. Yeah, I saw. Uh, it's the real estate you know, the vacation homes app. Why am I blanking on the name? Oh, like Expedia or something like that? Uh, well, anyway, I've got, I've got a question for you, Mike. Is Echo Factory doing anything to bring awareness, uh, you know, with their brands to Ukraine? Are you guys involved in this fight as well? Uh, we don't have any, nothing public facing with any of our brands. Um, all of all of our focus is really, uh with a lot of our brands is more focused on a little bit more direct response and getting awareness of the benefits of the brand. A lot of our brands really try to stay away from politicizing um, their messaging. Uh, there is a time and place for it, but at the moment, you know, the brands that we're working with are not looking to, even if, even if everybody in the company and all of their uh, you know, customers support it, they're not looking to politicize at the moment. Oh, but I'm sure some of them are supporting the people in Ukraine with their own efforts, I guess was my question. 
Oh, supporting like with products and services. Exactly, and, like shipping, getting things to Ukraine. I don't know if any of the brands you're working with are doing that, but um, it seems like everybody is today. Yeah, you know, to be honest, I'm sure they are. That's we really haven't, and I'm kind of now that I think of, now that you ask the question, I think about. It, I'm kind of surprised they don't know more about any support that they're doing. Um, but I I don't know that any of our brands are making an, an a big effort to publicly. I know they're not publicly making a big deal about it, um, yeah. but I'm sure, you know, which means they're not talking to us as their agency about it, exactly. but I'm sure, you know, they're continuing to, um, you know, deliver products and services if that was already in their system. Well, I've only talked with you a couple of times, but I feel like uh, if people wanted to maybe get their message out through your company, how can they do that? Uh, so working with us, uh, Typically what we do is we'll figure out who the best target audience is based. We'll put a strategy together that says, you know, do we think this product or service can be successful? And we'll put a, a roadmap together. Uh, and then we'll start creating the, the materials both for paid earned and owned media uh, that support that strategy. And then we'll push it out and we push it out with things like radio and television and digital products. Uh, to get messaging out, and then we use as much automation as we can when we start getting closer, you know, to the funnel. We're doing email campaigns and text message campaigns, that kind of thing. Uh, so we really we think of our agency as a customized approach. Uh, we don't have, you know, a list of, you know, these platforms are what we sell or these um, media channels are what we focus on. We really try to take a customized approach and think strategically with our client partners. Uh, to get the best approach. And, and a lot of times it's starting with the end in mind. And how can they get in touch with you, Mike, or, or the company? What's the best way? Oh, uh, the best way would be either visit our website, echo-factory.com, or uh, probably visit on Instagram. Um, you can shoot us an email. Uh, my email address, you guys, you know, anybody can reach me, Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at echo-factory.com. Well, Michael, I feel like our conversations aren't dumb because the advertising, there's always big events to talk about. So I'd love to talk with you as, as we go along here this year and uh, keep, yeah, you, keep you in touch. So yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike Schaefer of Echo Factory. I'm Alex Garrett, and where we're always adapting, uh, let's, let's help our brands out there adapt better in this crazy world. Have a great night.